Welcome to Rock Steady, an Express North podcast. And now our host, Dr. Fran Bartkowski. Welcome to Rock Steady at Express Newark at Rutgers University, Newark. Good morning, Linda Harrison, director of the Newark Museum of Art. Good morning, Fran. Thank you for having me here today. I am so thrilled to have you here today. And I want to tell our listeners just a very bit about your long and storied career. Linda Harrison was raised in Chicago and had a long career in the corporate and nonprofit world and made a move into the world of museums. She came to us, I believe, in January 2019 from from San Francisco, where she was director of the Museum of the African Diaspora. And Newark was so privileged and honored and lucky to have her come. And at that time, I don't know if these numbers have changed, Linda, but I know that at that time, I think you were one of five African-American museum directors in the country. I know, a major fine arts institution. And since that time, one more. One more. Okay. You know, it's like we really have to do something with aggressively improving these numbers. Yeah. And I know that those have been conversations among people in the museum and gallery world, certainly before COVID, but even more so now as people have been having the occasion to meet and strategize before they come back to life fully. Yes, it, it, it is one of the, uh, it's an ongoing topic for the art and culture world. And then, of course, the pandemic just really knocked everyone off, off their seats and exposed a lot of uh, issues and issues around access, issues around race, gender, equity, as a result of this pandemic. Yes, so many things have been brought into stark relief in every world, not just the world of the arts. But it does, I don't know, it feels to me as if people in the arts are really making serious efforts to address this from the top down through education in higher ed, as well as in the K through 12 world. So where are the arts going to be that they haven't been before and that they need to be even more so? And, you know, I have had these conversations with people in our Newark arts ecosystem starting in September and starting with our chancellor, Nancy Cantor, about this present and then sort of moving to the recent past and the yet to come future. So I wonder how much you'd be willing to say about not just how this present has had a huge impact on your professional life, but also your personal life. And, you know, you had just a year under your belt, a second year coming, and then the grinding halt. But even in that first year, the rebranding, if you will, that you did in terms of changing the name of the museum to the Newark Museum of Art so that people would know 
just what this what the nature of our fabulous museum in our wonderful city is, you know? How has the present been for you? Well, I, I tell you, um, totally uh, unexpected. Uh, it is one of these situations where uh, I've lived my life and, and my wife of 26 years, we have lived our life in the what I call uh, ready for the unknown, ready for the next um, adventure. I, I would say uh, coming here from San Francisco in that first year, uh, we were able to look at, um, uh, at the museum. I developed a, a strategy early on, fairly, fairly quickly, um, a three-year uh, strategic plan. And I think it really helped uh, to uh, guide us um, I know that it helped guide it, uh, to guide us um, for this unexpected um, situation <clears throat> um, with regards to uh, the pandemic. Um, in that first year, um, also, I completely recruited a new leadership team. Mm-hmm. And the leadership team, which I really think these individuals are, are sort of the the, the best in their game. They're, they're um, really sharp. They understand the business of art and culture as well as um, understanding the details within um, the art world, the museum world, as it relates to transformation, transformation internally mm-hmm. as, as well as externally. Um, and I believe that um, because uh, the board was uh, very supportive of me looking at uh, doing this as, as quickly as possible. As I said, first of all, we need a three-year plan, not a five-year or seven-year, because we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> in, in um, five years. And often um, with a three-year plan, you're much more nimble and mm. flexible, uh, mm. and we don't let it sit on the desk, if, if you will. Um, and having a leadership team that could uh, run at that pace with me um, and also be thoughtful about how we're going to have an internal culture shift to be a culture that is really a culture of caring. Mm. This would also help us to do whatever it is, the work that we were going uh, to do. And at that time, we had no idea that it was um, going to um, center around the um, two pandemics, if you will, the COVID pandemic and then the racial uh, moral pandemic that uh, we are we are also grappling with, mm. but I believe that when that date came in March, uh, mid March, when we all got together and thought we were just closing the museum temporarily for maybe three weeks, two or three weeks, it really set the tone that um, we would do this rapid. Um, rapid ideation, if you will, on what is a recovery plan? What, um, how, how are we going to be a museum that's more open now than we were before? All, mm. all of this was just literally on the table, but I, I really credit having a great leadership team that um, really set us up to handle the, the just uh, une- unexpected hard work uh, that would come as a result of the pandemic. And so, uh, you know, I follow the museum uh, on Instagram and sometimes on Thank Facebook. Thank you. <laughs> so I know some of the virtual things that have been going on, which are 
wonderful. Um, what was what would you say were the major challenges for you and your team when you thought it was just for a couple of weeks and then it turned out to be for this year and still some months yet to go? I know it's uh, uh, we we are looking at now reopening the museum. Um, the first week in June, um, mm-hmm. and we were scheduled to reopen a couple of times, um, but realized that um, we, for the sake of the safety and health of not just um, our staff, but also uh, the, the public, that uh, we would pause and really take a step back. And now with the vaccine, we feel very, very excited about being able to um, reopen the museum by the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the notion of how we were going to uh, pivot, we had some digital um, programming, the digital uh, going to a digital platform, a robust digital platform was part of our strategic, one of our strategic pillars uh, yeah. to really look at a digital strategy um, across the organization. But we had not um, determined that we were going to deep dive into it so quickly. Um, And so when we looked at uh, that first few weeks of putting um, our program in a digital format, um, we quickly realized like a few months in, um, and and one of the things that I think is great about uh, digital is that you can do surveys of your audience and what's working and what's not fairly quickly. Mm. So this became a reality uh, for us on everything every program, we were getting this uh, really great data um, on the platforms that um, were more robust with Instagram, um, YouTube, Mm -hmm. uh, people coming direct to the site, Zoom, our new way of being in the room. Um, And this um, had us um, quickly understand that we could not just put something that was traditional on a digital platform that we had to really think about what was relevant material Mm. and what would be effective um, and impactful Um, because we are still this museum that um, part of our strategy is to be of the community, not just located in the community. And this was pretty big for us as a discussion uh, points and strategies even before pandemic. So shifting this all, uh, we did the quick pivot as a lot of our colleagues uh, have done in the cultural space to digital. And then we got better and better and better at it. And for us to go from producing maybe um, 60, 70 programs to over 300 programs in a year um, wow. online was was just phenomenal. And, and then we also realized that going local, going deeper with relationships with our local artists, our regional artists, was really going to allow us to have that national presence because now mm-hmm. everyone is sitting at home. You have access to everything. How do we compete? Mm-hmm. We realized that um, to really delve into the robustness of this place called Newark, uh-huh. <laughs> New Jersey, which is something that when I um, came here, I, I didn't realize how deep and and uh, rich the tapestry is of the artists mm. here, the artist community here, the and the the culture um, in Newark around arts, and mm-hmm. so this really 
um, was uh, to our advantage. And it helped us produce um, some very good, compelling content and content that um, a number of our colleagues in other museums um, across the country are asking, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the deep dive into the local and also because everything is remote and virtual and digital, I would imagine you've gotten audiences from out there in the wider world who would not have shown up at the museum itself. Right, right. Yeah. This was something um, we actually took, uh, something quite traditional, our Ballantine house, a historic right. house, and we married it uh, with um, an escape room type of concept. And uh, that program brought us um, a very international audience. And, and that audience then had to break out into teams. So someone from London was with someone you know, from Brooklyn. Um, wow. uh, but with all of that um, came the reality of our challenge of, of how do you have a team that's used to working in a building or on a campus, a set of buildings, and now we have to do this remotely. So the impact of working um, off-site, uh, how do we do that? The technology uh, that's involved, um, uh, something as simple as a team member uh, has all of this equipment to work with um, at the museum, and then they're at home, and we're asking them to do the same thing, and they have their personal computer from, what, seven years ago. So we had to uh, step back and make some adjustments um, mm. from an IT standpoint, just protocols. Mm. Um, and while doing this, the challenge of dealing with the reality of the murder mm -hmm. of George Floyd, the impact of Black experience, and now that really being exposed, what impact did it have also on, on our staff? And mm. what does this look like from our own standpoint of making the museum a better place for BIPOC um, staff members? And in doing that is a better place for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're managing these different balls simultaneously. Um, it, it is quite a case study, <laughs> I would say, that we're still participating in. Yeah. Are you, are you keeping track of this in some narrative way for others to learn from as well as everyone in your institution and on your team? Because it seems like these would be incredibly valuable lessons. Well, yes, I, I think this is something that we now have, um, we've started having listening sessions um, internally with our staff. Mm. And those listening sessions have no agenda. Mm. Um, they are just, what is it that you may want to talk about or may want to share? Because we realize the impact of 11 months, and, and this was starting to happen maybe three months in, four months in, um, the stress of working at home and what that meant, and you may have parents that you're taking care of, or you may be the parents taking care of at-home schooling, um, and then the pressure of handling all that while, oh, there's this thing called work now that's at home. All of these uh, issues, um, we decided listening sessions, surveys, and then um, how are we going to see 
how we're handling this. So we we have developed a framework for an equity, uh, a race and gender equity framework that mm. has these um, uh, six areas that we're looking at keeping ourselves accountable mm. um, on utilizing this um, unfortunate opportunity with the pandemic to really improve um, our game, improve our organizations, uh, to really um, uh, step up and talk about, um, is this a fair place for everyone to work? And how are we doing it? Um, And what does that look like? Because with the museums, we tend to be able to handle uh, this a lot easier when it's external. We can mm-hmm. do diverse programming. We, we can talk about inclusion and access as it relates to exhibitions and public programming. But what are we doing inside? Mm-hmm. When you open the door, mm-hmm. um, if we're going to have sustainable, dynamic, relevant programming that, that you're experiencing, um, then we also need to have this dynamic diverse group within the organization and we need to do we need to do this in such a way that um, allows for innovation from all from a lot of different voices mm-hmm. and we 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 weren't as good at, at that um, as we should be and that's so we're trying to work on our internal selves and keep track of that and in doing that we're uh, then able to keep track through this framework of how we're dealing um, uh, with the external world and the impact that we would have on the external world. I'm imagining that you're also in conversations with some of the other, all of the other anchor institutions in Newark, like Rutgers, like NJ Pack, and more. How have those conversations reshaped the way people are, the way you see people are thinking? about what will come next? Well, you, you know, this is, this is a great question, Fran, because um, I am a member of the Newark Alliance group that we have these different conversations um, uh, often around, and, and these are the uh, anchor organizations and companies so that it's a You're combination, right. whether whether it's a corporate or a hospital or a cultural uh, entity, entity um, Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And uh, what has been great um, for me is that it's not just the museum working on these issues. It's being able to share with my anchor uh, collaborative partners what we're doing, what they're doing, and then we get other ideas. And um, it also leads to, if we're all talking about this as anchor institutions here in Newark, then we're literally making Newark this better place to live, work, play that's fair, that has fair pay, that has uh, fair access to uh, um, jobs. Uh, So it really is a, a great experience to be able to see that this can impact across the city, that then this city becomes um, this smart city technology-wise, but it it also becomes a city of choice, that people want to come live and stay here and operate, uh, you you know, just have, uh, uh, enjoy a great life 
here. And I, that's, that part is equally as exciting um, to me because we constantly, this is the kind of work that I think it's, it's not done. You don't just, well, let me, let me take care of this problem and it's done. It is, it is, it continues. And, and then if we are doing this um, as this group of anchors, now the, the city itself just starts really getting the attention of folks across the country uh, as progressive, as also ahead of the curve on mm-hmm. literally even talking about um, what does equity look like in your company, in your organization, mm-hmm. your organization, where there are some cities where it doesn't come together like that. Um, and this is, this is very exciting uh, to me that this can happen here. Yes, and a city of care, uh, you know, along with yes. the other things you put in that sentence. Yes. Well, yeah. th- this uh, that that I, I love that um, uh, notion of the city of care, and um, because we we I was I was sharing this with my trustees that we want this internal culture to be a, a culture of caring, and by mm-hmm. caring, then. We, we have to look at um, what are we doing? What are the tools that we are providing to our um, internal team um, so that they can be the, their best selves personally um, and also be their best business selves and, and be mm. able to collaborate mm-hmm. uh, and be able to impact our, our team members uh, at any given time during the week are dealing with external folks. external uh, companies. Um, And it's our job, and I I want it to be our job, um, down to any level within the uh, museum to call people out when they're not woke enough, Mm -hmm. I will will say. And uh, Mm -hmm. and this this happens, uh, you know, we have all kinds of vendors that we're working with, investment teams, uh, mm-hmm. uh, auction houses, uh, you, you name it. And then if we see that your team is not quite looking like our team, mm-hmm. why is that? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this, this is now how we're extending out to impact that world that's even outside of us uh, by asking, and I just did this uh, earlier this week, I asked a vendor that we're working uh, with, um, why don't you share with me what your racial equity um, agenda is within your, your company? Because mm. I'm, I'm kind of missing something here. Mm. And, and maybe you can bring me mm. up to date. Because this is how we're going to get fair pay, fair um, access to um, management level job, jobs that... Uh, um, not traditionally are we seeing um, the BIPOC community in. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we have to ask then people, what, what are you doing yeah. at your firm? Yeah, and bringing that commitment internally, externally, and to the wider world, asking oh, yeah. for yeah. that. Yes. Because yes. It's, it's really, it really makes for a, a much more dynamic set of of uh, output that yes. we have. Our output happens to be art and culture. Um, uh, no different from someone else's output um, is uh, education or, or they're, they're making a, a widget. But uh-huh. all of this is, um, you know, how do we have a, a, a more just world to live in? And yeah. as it starts with us. Well, I said at the beginning how fortunate Newark was to have you come when you did, 
And I'm realizing just how deeply true that is. I mean, especially given your history in the corporate and nonprofit world and everything that you bring to how the museum engages with those worlds, as well as with the citizens of the city and the region and the city across the river. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I like that, the city across the river. Right. Now, here's a question. I noted that when you were at the Museum of the African Diaspora, you had a poet in residence. And I remember the first time you and I met, um, we talked about the prospect of a film series happening at the Newark Museum, which has that beautiful Billy Johnson Auditorium with its screening capacities and the fact that there isn't a movie theater downtown in the city. Uh, is that just to sort of shift our, our focus a bit toward a coming future? Are you still thinking about that? What other, that and other kinds of visions, dreams, wishes do you have? Well, I, I get to what comes next. I, I tell you, um, you've mentioned um, two areas that uh, uh, we are talking about um, uh, in, in terms of what our program offering um, is. And of course, with uh, having to be closed, we've had to rethink some of this. Even with our beautiful theater of 300, we um, are still under the guidelines um, with our museum and then with the state mm-hmm. uh, guidelines uh, with 25% capacity. So we're, we're having to rethink, how do we do our film series? Mm-hmm. What would it look like digital only and or looking at um, just a different venue? So this, uh, for the mm-hmm. summer, because we, we, we expect to be open for the summer, we're looking at a uh, mini, a short film series that we can do outside. Uh-huh. Because then in the sculpture garden, um, right. uh, first of all, it's kind of fun to be mm. outside. Um, mm. And then in the sculpture garden. So um, it's, it's beautiful. And, and we're really trying to look at um, how do we implement that in a safe way? Um, that's one of the areas uh, that we're looking at. And then by um, the time we move into the uh, fall, we'll be rethinking, can we do um, a full film series inside? Or because everyone, um, this this unfortunate situation has put um, almost the world into uh, a, a masterclass on how to use every platform digitally, mm-hmm. that... Um, what what would that look like if we had that film series um, completely digital and we do some things that tie it uh, to the physical museum? These are discussions that we're yeah. having, yeah. whether it's a film series or whether it's an exhibition, um, that we see that that individual visitor is going to continue to have both experiences now. And, mm-hmm. and how do we how do we blend that hybrid on their experience at the museum is just an extension of the experience, their digital experience, which will probably would have happened before they even walk into the museum in the same uh, program. But we, um, the notion of the uh, poets uh, with the curatorial team, we've been talking about um, whether it's a poet in resident or um, it's a resident 
uh, they, they may not necessarily be a poet, but how would they speak to how how does this how does the stuff, the art in our collection speak to them? Mm. Um, and what would that look like? Because we we had our poets then would respond to a piece, write a poet uh, poem, and then take you on a tour. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we're we're looking at how how do we adapt that to our current um, environment? Because we don't see uh, digital stopping at all. Um, and we know that it may take a moment for everyone to feel comfortable really physically coming back into the museum. We will we will start that process at the uh, in the, the summer, but we think it'll really come back up to a robust volume, if you will, in 2022. And so we want to think about what is that new way for us to um, engage different artists from other mediums mm-hmm. in what is really considered like a traditional visual uh, art space, if you will. So we're really grappling with, and, and when I say grappling, we've gone a deep dive into uh, our digital strategy, and then we went a deep dive into engagement, mm-hmm. audience engagement. Mm-hmm. strategy. So we're we're combining those. This is the the work that we've been doing so that um we have a a place that we want people to enter in whatever way that is appealing to them. You you mm-hmm. you may watch films and and never walk into one of the galleries to look at one of the works of art on the wall. That's okay and someone else um, they're looking at uh, uh, works in the gallery, but if you're in the gallery, how do we make it more immersive? Yeah. This is this is now mm. our mm. Uh, big discussion on immersion in the gallery, not just the passive looking at mm-hmm. uh, what that object uh, may be, because uh, the last, past eleven months have really demonstrated to us that immersion is equally um, as important in the art, mm. and that art can be. Mm, art can be healing and impactful in this digital way. There, there was a, a time, short, a short while ago, that we said if these discussions were happening, and it's like, no, not the same. People really want to feel, feel by feel, not not touch the art you see right. in the museum. No, we no, can't no. let you touch no, it. No, right? no, no, no. <laughs> um, but this this entire eleven months have have demonstrated to us that. Art can really be um, healing, impactful, used as a family connector uh, uh, in education where the, the family may have, like, we send the kid to the tour at the museum and to school, and then they'll come back. Well, no, now it's an integrative uh, process. So how do we really work on making um, that even more uh, impactful? The, this is, I think, the power of uh, art, and we we have seen it, and it, it has shown us too that um, we need to also have that talent that can develop these new types of uh, experiences at the museum. I know I'm just kind of uh, j- jumping around on here. These yeah. they're they're connected pieces. Uh, they are really they are, and the arts and healing is one of the things that I have found myself thinking about so much this year because. We have found, you know, arts, creative artists of all kinds providing us 
with ways of getting through this year, which we're actually mm-hmm. marking this week as a year. I know. I know. Down. Um, and, you know, uh, f- for me, I mean, some of the music I've attended to remotely, some of the dance performances, some of the theater, some of the art. I mean, it really has nourished my spirits, you know, unable to go anywhere. But let me ask you this, because um, for yourself, have you ventured to any of the museums anywhere uh, that are open at some capacity yet? <laughs> that's that's a that's a um, a, a great question, and and um, is that too personal of, a question? Well, no, <laughs> it it isn't because um, uh, one of my favorite museums uh, that I have uh, ventured out to is the Rubin. Um, oh and yes, the Rubin, I was there too. Yes. Yeah, it mm-hmm. um, and and perhaps because it is uh, a museum, uh, I'm always impressed with how. I walk through the door and all of a sudden I'm, I'm just calming down uh, and relaxing where when I walk into um, another museum. That shall remain nameless. <laughs> that, 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 that shall, uh, there's a lot of energy. That's right. And, 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 and I'm, I'm rushing mm-hmm. uh, to get to everything that, yeah. Um, and that's not, it's not a bad thing. It just, uh, it just is. That's, that's the, right. that's the feeling of, of some of our, particularly because our museums in, in um, New York City have um, uh, been allowed to open right. um, sooner. And uh, the Rubin just, um, I, I, I walk slower. I, I feel like I can pause and I don't necessarily yeah. have to even go upstairs. I, it, it's a whole different uh, uh, feeling. And yeah, um, a lot of it, I think now that you're saying that, that's so true. And I feel like a lot of it is about the lighting. There's mm-hmm. the lighting mm-hmm. in there is very sort of kind of amber and, and darker than most museums. Right? It is. It, and it, it's something about yeah. that sort of slows you down. Too. It's like you're, yeah. you're out in the daylight and then you go inside there and it's, it, yes, it does. It changes like your heartbeat as well as your attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And mm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to travel a little more after I get, uh, uh, th- this is the month for the vaccines. And so I'm halfway through the process. So um, by the time that wraps up, um, kind of accelerate that visiting. Yes. Yes. But um, I, I, I also, I know that it's been crazy like winter here, um, but um, I've really enjoyed walking through Military Park and uh, Washington Park. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm, this, this, this is my hood, so to speak. Right. But, um, but I found it uh, peaceful. It, it, it almost moved to like nothing was happening Mm-hmm. <laughs> in in downtown to uh, starting to see slowly people just back on the streets and and um and i i make it a point to try to um just walk through the park and mm-hmm. just sort of in, in enjoy the the prettiness if you will even of winter yes yes 
there was a lot of snow for a few weeks there, but it was kind of beautiful. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think these are some of the surprises about uh, Newark that, that I'm discovering. And, and I'm, and I'm right really downtown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is, uh, this is part of um, uh, the, the downtown really wanting to do our part on uh, contributing to this becoming that art uh, uh, corridor from, yeah. from your location um, with the Haynes building and Express Noor coming through mm-hmm. to the museum, walking down then to um, uh, NJPAC. Um, and just that when we are all um, back open and that this could really be a vibrant uh, corridor. And that's, that's, that, that was also one of the things that excited me about coming here. Yes, and it sounds like your three-year strategic plan was really perfectly p- placed to address so much of this. And, and indeed, I'm sure, expanded your vision once we were faced with these constraints. I know. Um, this, this is what I, I felt really... Uh, uh, great about the pillars of our our plan, this leveraging our assets, and mm-hmm. and um, and we're we're looking at a whole new way of uh, having art and science really mm-hmm. play together, mm-hmm. um, and um, leveraging the brand. The name the name uh, change was a mm-hmm. um, a very big piece of that, and um, and folks uh, really responded uh, positively, and, and mm-hmm. this continues to allow us to build on the brand, and um, the internal culture, this is another yep. anchor to work on, and because sometimes we forget that our staff, they're working in this environment, but we want to give them the tools to communicate with each other. Sometimes you, you, you don't um, uh, know how to communicate with someone um, who may be different, um, mm-hmm. From you, and so what? What does that look like? And then our mm. our financial stability. So there's, and I know that we're all grappling um, yeah. with that. But in the um, museum world, um, really looking at avenues that will help us be sustainable, not just today, but in in the future. So all of this, um, uh, this this past eleven months have had us look at every aspect. Mm-hmm. of of the organization and and how we can be of value and of service to our community not just have great wine and cheese events <laughs> to look at our art yeah yeah well um you know this is has been a really wonderful conversation and i know that everyone is just you know, so pitched and ready to be back in the streets, back indoors at places that will excite us as they always have. But I think the level of excitement will just be so ramped up after this time. And I keep thinking there's certain kinds of things that I hope we don't take for granted ever again about the in-person aspect, mm-hmm. whether it's out on the streets or inside an institution or, you know, person to person with friends. And um, uh, well, and how important uh, that community is. We've we created a lot of online community and this is very right. good, but how important community is in, and um, 
really looking out uh, for each other in our own communities here. You know, in the, I, I think that 